When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, I'm Jamie Turner. I'm filling in for Joe Noga, who's uh, taking some time off. The person who never takes time off is Paul Hoynes, who we have on the other end of the line, uh, waiting to take his flight to Oakland and uh, see if the uh, Indians can play better uh, when they're playing at midnight uh, Eastern time. How you doing, Paul? Good, Jamie. How you doing? Well, I, I have a weird sense that the, the Indians can do no wrong in the AL Central. They entered Monday with an eight-game lead. They lose two out of three, and now they lead by eight and a half. So <laughs> Life if, in the AL Central, man. Uh, it's the beauty and the curse. Uh, but from your point of view, from what you saw in St. Louis, what do we take away from these three games? Ah. Uh, it rains a lot in St. Louis. <laughs> it, those were those were Ghostbuster uh, type skies that we saw, you know, um, uh, the first few games of this series. And uh, but uh, they finally got a you know decent game. They got no rain delays last night. Uh, they played a good game. Uh, you know, the one thing that kind of stands out to me is you know the pitching depth, the starting pitching depth that they do have. Bieber came up. You know, it really had a nice start last night. And, you know, you've got Plutko and, and, and Beaver sitting there behind, you know, cons- you know, arguably the best rotation in baseball. Uh, so, you know, th- that bodes well for the future. Both these guys, what, I know they're, you know, college kids, you know, so they're a little older. It's not like they're 21 or 22. But, you know, they both have poise. And uh, Beaver was, you know, he was exceptional last night. I'm, the fifth inning. Uh, you know, first and third jam, one out, and, and you know he gets their two best hitters. You know, uh, Yadier Molina and and Osuna gets out of that jam and uh, really did a nice job. So you know that's one thing that 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 you know I take away from um, uh, this series. Uh, two, uh, another thing, I guess we've got to have some concern about Kluber. Um, you know, he says he's okay. Francona says he's okay, but we we've been through that drill before. Uh, you know, he gets knocked out in uh, one and two third innings. And it was with, uh, you know, you, you know, I, I expect him to have a bad start, you know, bad two or three or four starts, you know, out of 35. But it was with the the, uh, the thing that surprised me the most is how fast Francona hooked him. And I just thought he must he, – it looked like he knew something, you know, that, okay, they, you know, he it looked like, okay, we know this guy – you know, if it, if he gets past the first two innings, he's okay. But maybe there's something physically that 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 is wrong with him. And right now, we don't know. Uh, and I think his next start uh, Monday in Kansas City will be very telling. And I think uh, the fact that they're giving him an extra day. You know, this will be the second time, second straight start where he's had five days. You know, so uh, an extra day's rest. And usually, you know, he's a creature of habit. He likes to go every four. So, uh, you know, with four days rest. So this is going to be an interesting test for him. Well, and it's it's kind of goes back to the thought that maybe we're beginning to see a little bit of the cost of the bullpen issues that happened, you know, in May that forced these guys to throw 100 pitches or more pretty much every start. The Clevenger being pushed back a day the, for the same reason. Right. Um, and, you know, 
Carrasco is getting a break, and thankfully he seems to be fine, and he'll be you know able to to join them in a week or so. But you can't count on having a three-man bullpen. Essentially, there's only ones that they they trust are Perez, Ramirez, and Allen. Uh, and you know, expect all these guys. I mean, Bauer, I guess, has Mickey Lolich rubber arm, you know, <laughs> and he can, he can pitch forever. But I don't think you want Kluber averaging 110 pitches a start when the playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, uh, we saw what happened last year. I think you know he had that great run in September. Uh, probably won the Cy Young for him. But what did what did the Indians get in those two two starts in the ALDS? I, I don't know if that was, you know, just the accumulative effect, but this is a guy that's, you know, what, the last three in, three years he's pitched close to 262 innings. And like you said, Jamie, that's a great point. You know, these guys have been throwing 100 pitches, you know, since, since the opening day. And, uh, you know, and that's unusual. You know, usually, you know, you kind of build up to that. Uh, you can see a guy like uh, – you know, Kluber, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's done that. And Bauer is kind of a, you know, a freak of nature just through his hard work. But a guy like Clevenger has never pitched like this before. You know, you look at his track record. He's, he's, I think he's like uh, in, in the, the last 11 starts, he's, he's only gone let, fewer than a hundred pitches uh, uh, nine times. And those, you know, the two times he did it was 99 and 98 pitches. And, uh, you know, the last time out, he didn't go uh, against St. Louis on uh, uh, Monday, Monday night. He cramped up, you know, he got through five innings, but, you know, that wasn't a comfortable start. So, you know, I think you're right. The, the, you know, the effect of that, uh, of that bullpen and, and the meltdown they had in May is, is, is really kind of stressed this rotation. And they're, they're going to have to be careful, uh, you know, going – Going down to you know the you know for the rest two or three or four months, the, you know until they hit the stretch run because you, you want to have a rotation in in September and, and in October and and I think you know we, we're think, we're seeing Francona take a little bit little it seems like he's taking you know they're they're being more very very cautious with Kluber to me I I don't remember them doing this uh, last year so you know when. Two starts ago, he's gone after five. You know, Tuesday night, he's gone after one and two thirds. So, you know, their their radar is up. The uh, it kind of lends some uh, support to there was a Hey Hoinsey a week ago that said, "Well, Paul, how likely is it that they would go to a six man rotation?" Well, considering how good Beeper and Plutko have been, and Carrasco coming back you really do have six guys who you could roll out there and at least only have them pitch once a week. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. And, and I, I've asked the Indians that, and they seem very, you know, they would only do that in case of an emergency. You know, if they're, one of their starters, you know, was they had an injury or, or you know, was cut, you know, kind of, you know, kind of pitching his way back in, into to full health. But, you know, I think that's a good point. I mean, especially if you're playing in the AL Central. I mean, right, right. what do you got to lose? You know, I mean, if you, if you got an eight-and-a-half game lead and you played a whole – you know, you didn't play well uh, in St. Louis, you lose two out of three and you still come out of your, you know, gain and a half game. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. And I think you're going to have to look at that, especially, you know, coming out of the All-Star break. I, you know, I think the Cubs did that a couple of years ago in 2016. Uh, it, it, so it's something worth looking into, especially if you got this depth and you don't trade it away. Oh, you know, I, you know, you know, I, I would think if they're if they're going to make a move, people are going to be asking for those two kids, those two guys. Right. Well, we're, we're, we don't want to jump too far ahead because that we'll come back to that to the idea of the of the trades down the road. The other thing that I thought was uh, revealed or exposed a little bit in St. Louis is. When you're playing a National League team and you don't have a DH, but you count on a DH because you have Encarnacion and Alonzo and you can't play them both. This isn't two years ago in the World Series where, you know, Francona plays Santana in the outfield. Yonder everybody's Alonso, signed the sign of the cross. When right. out. Yeah. yeah, Yonder Alonzo isn't playing right field anytime yeah. soon. 
uh, let alone Encarnacion. But it really, I thought, revealed or exposed them once you got past the top four guys and you don't have that extra bat that in the lineup. All of a sudden, you're relying on you know, Kipnis to suddenly be better than the 210 hitter that he's been all year. And I mean, Chisholm had a good game last night and he had a, an RBI the night before, but it's still, you know, he's a guy who's only has a couple of home runs and what, six RBI or something like that for the, you know, for his 150 at bats. Uh, this is a, I would think this is still a concern that their lineup just isn't long enough. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, you know, that's a good point. You know, you know, they, they wanted Geyer to come back and, and, you know, help them against lefties. You know, that, that, that's been a lukewarm response. You know, like you said, with Chisinau, he's just off the DL. He's, you know, we haven't seen that guy that we saw last year in the first half of the season, and that really helped them. Uh, you know, and uh, Perez has been, uh, you know, eh, you know, Perez is just, he's not even catching that much. And uh, Gomes does he merit, been, does he merit yeah. an eh? No. I, I, <laughs> I, mean, he, 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 I don't know that he's qualified for an yeah. Yeah, yeah. is like he's, a 215 hitter. Yeah, he struggled. All that. Yeah, Gomes has given them a little bit of a you know a, a a threat in the lower half of the you know lineup. And if you had another guy, you know, but Gomes isn't going to carry the lower part of the lineup. So I think that's what you know when you know I think you know that's what that's a need. And uh, do you? You know, what do you do? How do you fix that? Do you go down and get Mejia? Do you bring him up? Uh, well, what, and then do you play Mejia maybe in the outfield? I, I don't know, you know. So it, it's, it's really a, it, it's kind of a dilemma, and I think it's something they're going to have to address. The Indians go uh, into, well, Oakland is below 500. But at the moment, at least according to my calculations, they are 13 and 18 against teams that are currently 500 or better. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to make it sound like the sky is falling. They have won eight of their last 10 games. So they're not, you know, they're not exactly falling, you know, you know out of the sky. But at the same time, it just seems like it, we're getting closer. You've had a couple of stories in the last week with Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff both at least giving lip service to the idea that they need reinforcements. And I just don't get the sense that they're only talking about the bullpen. What, you know, how seriously do you think we should take this? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, you know, the last two years they've made, they've, they've made additions, you know, when they've been in contention, going down the stretch, you know, Andrew Miller two years ago, uh, 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 kid, uh, Jay Bruce last year, right. uh, Joe and Joe Smith. So I, you know, I fully anticipate them to add to this team. I, I, they know, you know, they're not stupid. I mean, you know, everything we've talked about, we're talking about right here. They talk, you know, they've talked about. It. They they talk on a daily basis about it. Uh, so they, they they know their weakness of the club. Uh, I think payroll, they're a little bit strapped there, but I think you know the ownership is knows, you know. This is this might be their last best opportunity to make a deep run into October. Not you know get past that first round like they didn't do last year, and hopefully you know challenge for a World Series again. And they know they've got to add, add to this. And it's like you said, not only the bullpen, but they need an outfielder. To me, they need they need a bat. I don't know if it, if it's a right-handed hitting outfielder. You know their their production center and right field has not been great. Or maybe it's a third baseman. You know, that's the market is there's kind of a lot of third basemen out there with Stockless and and Beltre and you know Manny Machado. Maybe you know that's kind of I don't know that's kind of pie in the sky, but I think that would be expensive. But you know, there's people out there, and I think they're gonna they they will look and they will add somebody. I I don't know the if it's going to be an impact player, but they're they're going to get some help. They they know they need help uh, because if I don't know. If, I mean, they could put it in neutral. Maybe you don't. You never want to say that. And I won't say that. But the the division is theirs. All they've got to do is is keep playing like like this. You know. Um, but they they know they're not going to go deeper into October with this team with this lineup. You know. I I just I I think they they know they have to get they get better. They have to get better. 
you um, had uh, uh, over the past weekend when the, at the end of the homestand, you had um, a one of your things we learned. Uh, Machado came up again, and yeah. uh, I don't know if that's your you know you know, your, your favorite wish would be how <laughs> that they get Machado. Um, but how much do you think they're actually in this? I mean, uh, do they have, you know, you, you mentioned Bieber and, and Plitko, uh, you know, there's McKenzie in the, in the uh, minor leagues. Uh, they have some young arms and if the Orioles, you know, if they're going to break everything up, which seems like they almost have to, uh, are the Indians willing to give away the type of players necessary to get a guy for three or four months? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Jamie. You know, I know they did it with uh, Miller, you know, and, uh, and what did they lose? You know, they did it with the, the you know, four prospects. Uh, you know, Frazier was the key guy, and now he's kind of the odd man out in, in New York. Um, so exactly what did they give up? I don't know that, you know, Sheffield is still, you know, prospect to me. So, you know, that was, that was a key guy in, in that thing. I, I would think they, they would give people up. I think they traded, they tried to trade Mejia once. Why not trade him again? I, I you know, they went in the deal that, that got shut down with Milwaukee. Uh, so, um, you know, I, that wouldn't be, I would, I would trade Mejia. I would trade uh, Plutko. Uh, I, if, if you could get the right deal, you know, I'm not trading, I, I doubt if they trade Bieber, and, and maybe I'm wrong about them trading any starting pitching, young starting pitching. I, I have they, I can't remember them doing that, you know. And they they put such a value on it, and it's so hard to get. So maybe they, maybe I'm 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 full of it there. So, uh, but well, I think they trade Justice Sheffield, but he yeah. was a, you know, still an, a Class A guy, right? Right. You know, now you're talking about trading somebody who's either in the majors. Or is, you know, in McKenzie's case, he doesn't seem like he's terribly far away. You know, they, yeah, he's not going a year or so. I, I'm really surprised that they traded him. And, you know, but when they talked to uh, Baltimore in the, in the, during the winter about Machado, the price was very high. They, they wanted two, uh, you, know, you know, major league ready uh, starting pitchers. So I, I don't know. I mean, are you going to – now, can they get that at, for a rental? You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of that, that, that would surprise me. Yeah. I, it seems like that's, you can certainly ask for that when you're going to be giving a, uh, a team Manny Machado for 162 games. Right. But now you're going to give them for 60. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So, and, I mean, and that's that, a little different, but I think, you know, I mean, they're going to have to move this guy and uh, I guess, you know, it's going to be a buyer's market. You know, the Dodgers are supposedly interested in them. There's going to be, a, I think there's going to be a lot of team, maybe Milwaukee even gets in on it. So I think that the, uh, you know, th there's going to be a market for them. Um, it just depends, you know, who, what players they like, but I don't think, you know, I, I think they're willing to trade. I don't think they're going to sell the farm though. Right. Uh, is, is Danny Salazar totally out of any, contemplation just because nobody can count on, you know, when he'll ever be back as a pitcher. Yeah. I don't think, you know, that's uh, that's a great point. And I don't think he's even on their radar right now. I mean, this is a guy that I think he's, uh, he's playing catch in, in, uh, in Goodyear. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, if you're hurt, you're hurt, you know, and, and I know, you know, <laughs> there's some people that feel like this guy is just, you know, kind of on a summer vacation out there. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, the, he said something last year. And, uh, you know, the, you know the pitchers, you know, get labeled, this guy's a head case, this guy's, you know, uh, you know always think something's wrong with him. And, uh, and, 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 and Salazar told us uh, one time, he goes, sometimes it's not in your head. Sometimes your arm just hurts. And, Maybe he's just one of those guys, you know. I mean, he's not that big a guy. He's kind of, you know, built like Pedro Martinez. Uh, and uh, he throws so hard and he, with such a – you know, that he puts so much stress on his arm. But, you know, the Indians have given him shots. They've given him, given him MRIs. Right. He's had x-rays. And, and they, they, they diagnosed it as tendonitis, uh, the, uh, 
like I forget, but it's something in his right shoulder and you know, they can't find anything seriously wrong, but it's not their shoulder either. But right now he is not even on their radar. I mean, I don't think they can't depend on him. I mean, maybe if, if they get to game seven of the ALCS, is he going to come riding in on a white horse? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Well, I guess my question is whether or not he would be on the radar of another team that was looking for a pitcher. You know, let's, say, let's go back to the Orioles and say, uh, okay, if we were going to take Machado last, you know, uh, year, you know, in the offseason, okay, maybe we're trading you two regular starting pitchers. But now for 60 games, you get one regular starting pitcher and Danny Salazar and maybe a couple of prospects. I mean, are we in that, in, in that area where the Orioles' leverage is lessening because you're, you're getting less and less of Manny Machado? Yeah. You know, 80 games right now, 60 games by the deadline. Any, you know, is, is Salazar, does he actually become a little bit more valuable as a trade chip simply because the Orioles are losing leverage? Yeah, you know, that's, I guess, you know, in, in certain situations, yes. But, and, and maybe you take, a, maybe Salazar's a throw-in guy. Maybe he's a guy that, that, you know, somebody has seen before. You know, lots of people like his arm. But maybe this, they're the organization that's going to turn this guy around. He's a change of scenery guy. And uh, so that could, be, that could be. I know the Cubs were interested in him during the winter. Uh, I think uh, just the fact that he hadn't pitched a whole lot scared them off. Uh, so, you know, that, it's always a possibility. Teams, teams will take a chance. But I don't think he can be the main piece in a deal. You know, and, and you oh, go I would agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, then moving away from uh, – oh, well, then let me give one last thing about trades. Is there – you really were interested in Kelvin Herrera when, you know, when he was traded, and you wrote that, you know, this was the guy that they could have gotten that would immediately transform their bullpen. Is there somebody else out there at the moment who you could look at and, you know, the Orioles, obviously, they have bullpen arms. Yeah. They just, you know, and they have one good left-handed bullpen arm. Uh, you know, is there somebody else, you know, out there that you would look at and say, that's a plug-and-play, you know, that resolves things? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's, a kid, there's somebody, na- a kid named Bear Claw in, in uh, Miami. That, that's, I think it helped. Uh, I, I really like the uh, Reds closer, Raziel e- if I'm saying this, Raziel Iglesias. Oh, right. From, okay. Yeah, from Cuba. You know, he's under control for a couple of years. He's 28, so he's, you know, he's, not, he's not real young, but he's their closer. I think, you know, you, you add a guy like that, you know, in front of Ramirez or right behind Ramirez, then you've got Ramirez, Iglesias, Perez, Allen. You know, that just that lengthens, like lengthening a, a lineup, that lengthens your bullpen. A guy like that. I think would would really would really help them. You know, every, you've talked. There's been talk about Brad Hand, uh, right. you know, from San Diego. Uh, they they're in on a lot of those guys. But Kelvin Herrera, I I really like like you said. I I liked him. I I thought he was the guy, and I was surprised Kansas City went out and traded him as early as they did. I I thought they could get more. You know, there's always room for every contender. Always has room for a reliever. And, right. And, and I thought, you know, they could they could have waited and got more, but I, maybe they got the three guys they wanted from from Washington. Well, uh, just while you're uh, while you were talking there, I was looking up Iglesias. Uh, he's worked uh, 34 and two thirds innings, uh, allowed 24 hits, 12 walks, uh, has an ERA plus of 197, um, 208 ERA. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Fifteen yeah. saves. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I, you know, Cincinnati's been trying to rebuild that pitching staff for so long. I don't know if they trade them, but but I think you could. You know, they're obviously in in a rebuild mode. I mean, so I think. Uh, and they need starting pitching, they're, right? Yeah. When you're when you're taking a risk on Matt Harvey, then you know you're you're wide open for you know some improvement, uh, you know through. Uh, you know, trade in your starting rotation. Definitely. 
Definitely. Uh, okay, so let's go to the happy uh, uh, story of the day, or at least of the last 24 hours. Uh, Shane Bieber is 3-0 with an ERA of 222. Um, I, you and I talked, uh, last weekend and I, I'm struck by just how clean his motion is. It's simple. It comes straight to home plate. There's no fritzing around. He, he seems like, I mean, you know, the, the cliches are, you know, he, he, he knows what he's doing, you know, that, he, you know, he moves the ball around. It just seems like he has such a repeatable delivery that it, it he has ha half the challenge already uh, accomplished simply because he, when he's wild, he's not wild by very much. You don't, yeah. see, you don't see the catcher lining up on the outside corner and the ball suddenly is inside. Uh, yeah, definitely. He, he, looks like, he looks like a right-handed Cliff Lee to me. You remember how smooth yeah. Lee's delivery was? He almost he almost looks like he should be a left-hander. You know, Shane Bieber. That name sounds like a lefty name to me. And and but he, you're right. His his delivery is like so like clean. You know, just kind of like picture perfect almost. There's no there's no extra effort in there. There's not a whole lot of you know. It doesn't look like it's a uh, he's like a Tommy. You know, it's like he's a, he's a Tommy John or a rotator cuff injury waiting to happen. Right. You know, like I would think about Jarrett Wright, how he had that recoil in, in his his motion, and he just wondered how long that was going to last. But this kid's tall, lanky, smooth, and and uh, I just like his uh, his kind of attitude. And you know, one of their scouts told me during the winter that this is this is the next guy in the pipeline. And I, I had never heard, you know, I see, I remember him drafting him, but I hadn't really looked at him at double A or A ball. And he said, this is the next guy that, that he could be up here this year. And, and, you know, the, they had him pegged. So they, they knew, you know, right out of the shoot that this guy was going to, had a chance to help him. His, uh, the at bat for Marcelo Zuna with two guys on. Oh my God. Where he <laughs> just, he threw three breaking balls. I think they were all sliders. And none of them were strikes, but they were all broke so late that Ozuna just waved. Yeah. Did he go time. down on one knee? Did he go down yes. on one knee? Yes, yeah. he did. Yes, he did. And Ozuna was like, he's one of the best players in baseball for June. I mean, he's had a great June. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not Matt Carpenter, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Carpenter and Edwin Rosario, two guys who the Indians have absolutely no – <laughs> idea how, how to get out but but that but that at bat to Ozuna uh was I thought almost revelatory it was it was so impressive that he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he executed three pitches that attacked exactly what Ozuna doesn't like which is low breaking balls he swings at them and and every one of them was better than the one before it, it, it that I really, I mean, I'm 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 a hawk for Shane Bieber. I'm I'm really impressed. But yeah, and no, you're not the only one. Francona was saying after the game that the thing that impressed him the most is that it exactly that at bat. He he didn't, uh, you know, at first and third. I think there was one out in right. the fifth inning. It's still you know four one game and uh, and the fact that he was he didn't just try to throw it as hard as he could pass this guy that he used, uh, you know, he used his breaking ball that uh, he, he pitched like a veteran pitches. And, uh, you know, he, he followed, uh, uh, you know, what uh, Roberto Perez was, was calling. He didn't shake him off. He, you know, he just, he changed speeds. And that's, that's what really impressed uh, Francona. And you, know, you, you hit it right on the head there. Well, it's, I'm, I'm just intrigued by the idea that this is a guy that they can actually should be able to trust between, you know, now and, and, and the uh, end of the season. I, I, Plutko, I think you can see where he's not a finished product yet. And, you know, he, you know, he, he was, you know, recovering from injury a, a year, a, you know, a year ago. He still seems like, you know, he, he's doing very well, but he's still kind of feeling his way. Bieber just looks like okay. Here I am. I'm ready yeah. to go. Be like, yeah. The next twenty years. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> he's really, 
you know, they both, both these guys are kind of, they've got some poise to them. You know, it's, it's, I think, you know, they're a little older. It's not like you're bringing, you know, a 21 year old kid up or a 20 year old kid. And, you know, I think they really have a lot of confidence in them themselves. And they, they say that, uh, the Indians, I guess the Indians player development people say this guy is, or Bieber, uh, you know, very routine oriented, you know, the routine, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but his work ethic, you know, he, he likes to every, every, it's like Kluber, you know, every, you know, every minute of every day between starts is planned and it's all kind of directed toward that, that the time he takes the mound on the fourth or fifth day. You've been covering this team for, I think this is your 36th year. Uh, is there anybody that you've seen in, in the, with the Indians who, like you said, you had heard in spring training that this was a guy who was going to be coming, but you hadn't really heard of him or, you know, he hadn't really done anything in the minors yet to really, you know, jump out. And here he is you know, three decisions into his major league career and he looks this good. Is there any comparable to this? I mean, because Jared Wright was a different kind of pitcher. That was pure power, pure right. intimidation. And he was uh, a number one pick. He, you know, he, he got some money and uh, his dad was a big leaguer. So you kind of knew about him. You knew about him. I think, uh, you know, CC Sabathia, I mean, that, that was, you know – just the size of CC kind of, you know, right. uh, but he was another number one pick. This kid was, I think a fourth or fourth or fifth round pick. Right. So, uh, you know, I, the, the, the comparable guy I can think of is, is Salazar. You know, you heard about mm -hmm. Salazar, you know, the, how hard he threw and, and, uh, just, you know, and he had the Tommy John surgery and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for Salazar to come. And then when he finally did make his major league debut in uh, 2013 against Toronto, it's like he threw seven scoreless innings. He struck out, I think, nine or ten guys. And that, to right until that was probably maybe one of the best, you know, first starts by a rookie, you know, debut that I, I'd seen. And he was just so overpowering. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. So definitely a different kind of, you know, different kind of repertoire. Than, than Bieber, but uh, you know that's a, that that would be a guy I, I compare him to. Okay. Um, all right. Next uh, topic uh, as we go through this, uh, the All Star voting will wrap up. Uh, I think what the fifth. Uh, or, yes. Uh, yeah. Right around then, uh, so they'll announce the starters. I would assume uh, probably what a, a week yeah. from this weekend. Yeah, they, they usually do it on a Sunday, Sunday right? Yeah, a Saturday or Sunday, right? You know, right. and then they've got a week to add the pitchers and the, and uh, and all that. Uh, I went through. I I admit it's not as uh, fun to do the All Star voting on the computer as it was on those old punch ballots. You know, because uh, uh, I remember going to the ball games and get you know, like ten of them from the usher. You know, and yeah, and you're yeah. going through. And, and you create, you know, not only would you do an all-star, you know, okay, these are the guys who deserve, but then you do one of here are the guys who absolutely do not deserve, but I'm having fun and I'm picking the least deserving all-star <laughs> in, in each of these or, or, you know, the all right-handed hitters or all switch hitters or, you know, I'm goofy that way. But the, uh, I, I went through yesterday and, and did an AL ballot. Well, I did NL, but we don't care about the NL. We're only doing an AL type of uh, podcast here. Uh, and th these are the guys I came up with. And, and I say this only to get to the conversation, which will be, you know, it seems like there are quite a few Indians who are likely to be considered. Um, and as of right now, I think only one, well, I think it's pretty obvious, only one is going to start, uh, at least of the position players. Um, and so the question will be, and I'll let you think of this while I go through my, my ballot, how many could be selected and how many should be selected? Uh, you know, which I think is two different things. Anyway, my ballot, um, it's hard to say Wilson Ramos isn't the best catcher in the American League this year. 
he's about the only yeah. one who hits. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, so uh, you, I go there. I, did, I went off the board a little bit, and I think Mitch Moreland is having a really sneaky good year at first base uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, Altuve, okay, you can't, you can't go right. differently at second base. I picked Machado over Francisco only because Lindor's defense just has been a little hot and cold this year. He's not a platinum gold glover or platinum glover this year. Uh, so Machado, uh, even though you can make the argument, Lindor's on a winning team, Machado's on one of the worst teams in baseball. So, you know, I, I can understand an argument either way. Ramirez, clearly the best third baseman. Uh, and then an outfield of Trout and Betts, I think, are the two absolute surefire guys. Mitch Hanniger is having a great year for Seattle. He's, That's a great pick. He's really playing well. I mean, he then, beat the Indians. I mean, he did a great job against the Indians. Oh, yeah. He, he killed the Indians. Uh, and the DH, uh, Encarnacion's stats are really good, but J.D. Martinez is J.D. Martinez, and I yeah. think he's, he's the best DH out there. Uh, is there anybody that I'm missing that you would think that, was, uh, that you would vote in as a starter if you – no, I think that's that's a pretty good ballot. That's who. Who? Do, what about a left fielder? What about well, the third well, outfield? I mean, I think you're gonna you're gonna put Hanniger, I think, in left field. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That yeah. That yeah. be in right, and right. Trout will be in center. Right. And basically, right. They'll, they'll, they'll give Hanniger the left field line and say, Mike, cover everything in the alley. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just, right. Just go nuts and 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 have fun. Yeah. Um. So that's the. I mean. There's always a weird defensive alignment in the outfield at some point. There have been plenty sure, of years yeah. when they had three left fielders. You know, I remember back when I was a kid, we were both kids. Uh, I'm pretty sure Carl Yastrzemski was a center fielder one year in the, in the All-Star game. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't a center fielder to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his range, I mean, he was built for Fenway because going back was not Carl Yastrzemski's uh, skill set. <laughs> as a defensive outfielder. Uh, he kept running into the wall. The wall yeah, was behind him. <laughs> that's right. And so he didn't have to worry about it. But, uh, you know, so this is actually – this would actually be a pretty good defensive team with exception. Well, I mean, Hanniger's okay. He's not he's yeah. fantastic. But um, – so anyway, that, if, if we're cool with that, then let's go into the Indian. Yeah. yeah. How many should – how many Indians could or should be on the uh, All-Star team? Oh boy, you know, I th I'm like you. I think you know, obviously Ramirez, he's going to get voted in to the to the uh, should get voted into the, the starting lineup. Lindor, um, Lindor, Brantley, Encarnacion, I think all have a shot. Uh, the thing that's going to be interesting to me is the, the the when they pick the the pitchers. You know, mm -hmm. I think uh, kind of you know Kluber. You know, you know. You know, it, with innings pitched and strikeouts and, uh, you know, average against, whip, he's got, you know, great numbers. I think he gets in. I think that's a lock. And I, the guy that's going to, I think, maybe surprise some people is Bauer. I think right. Bauer has a – he's kind of a, my dark horse candidate. But his numbers, I mean, you know, he's, he's like uh, – I, I got him written down here somewhere. Um, I think he's uh, fifth in innings pitched. Third in strikeouts with 140, uh, you know, uh, uh, fourth in ERA. He's high, you know, lower ERA than than uh, than uh, 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 Kluber. So I think he, I think there's a chance he gets in there. Well, I saw that in uh, the current list of wins above replacement for pitchers, Trevor Bauer sixth in the in the American League, uh, behind Severino, Sale, Kluber. Verlander and Snell. Yeah. He, he's, he's just, I think that he'll benefit and this will please him just because he is this kind of analytical fellow. Uh, I think as more and more teams have fully embraced, you know, sabermetrics and realizing that wins don't determine how good a pitcher you are. Um, his stats in every other category other than wins are clearly all-star quality. Uh, 
not to mention how reliable he is. Yeah. Which is amazing that we're talking one year uh, after he was making, you know, the, the talk show people in Cleveland go insane <laughs> because he's saying, well, you know, I'm pitching so much better. I gave up seven runs and three homers, but I'm yeah. pitching so much better than this. And now one year later, everybody says, you know, he really is pitching incredibly well. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, uh, I know. The whole first half last year, he was saying, you know, I'm just pitching in bad luck. My uh, balls in play average, it, right. it's, you know, it's, it's it's been skewed. I'm better than this. It's going to turn around. What, what, what? And it did. I mean, I thought I'm looking at this guy like he's, you know, he's talking a for, he's talking a foreign language to me because I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know, Trevor. This it doesn't look too good, but it did turn around and uh, he's turned into it. You know, he's the, the thing that impresses me, Jamie, is that he's cut down on his walks. He's thrown a. He's much more efficient. You know, he used to throw, you know, 100 – he'd be at 100 pitches in the fifth inning, and right. then that would be it, you know. He'd throw two, 10 more, and he's out of the game. But now he's at 100 pitches in the sixth or seventh inning. Francona, I think, in his last start, let him go take the mound when he was at 108 pitches. Right. You know, so you know he's going to push 120 no matter how that the next inning goes. And, uh, you know, that's how much confidence he is. And he, you know, he loves to strike out people. He lives lives to stri- for the strikeout, but even that isn't really driving his pitch count up. You know where where it's you know it's unmanageable because he throws a lot of first pitch strikes, and he gets ahead in the count a lot, and uh, he's able to stay in the game that way. Yeah, he he has for a guy who three years ago was considered this flake goofball you know nobody knew exactly how to take him he had talent but you never knew what you know whether or not a team would embrace him not that he didn't have the talent but whether or not a team was going to be open-minded enough to say he actually does know what he's trying to do he is he's trying to to improve he's you know which is all I think anyone like Frank Kona or any pitching coach wants out of players that they're trying to improve they're trying to get better every time that they take the field and he clearly does that he is you know he's endlessly curious and endlessly trying to to you know come up with some way the idea of him talking about the torque on his slider and where he was holding it to, to be just in the right angle and he's doing it because he's been watching Kluber yeah and, and, you know, and said, that's how I should be doing it, you know, which is really, that's taking ego totally out of it and saying, hey, I got to be as good as this guy because right. I could be if I pay attention to detail. I like what uh, Antonetti said about him. He said, Trevor Bauer wants to be the best pitcher on the planet. And he is continuously working to be that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever going to reach that. Hopefully, I hope he does. but. Uh, you listen to him talk, and it's like some professor is talking to you in in a trigonometry trigonometry class. I'm falling asleep in the back of the room. He goes, you know, I want my slider to break eight inches. It's breaking ten. You know, it's breaking five inches now. I right. said, how does this guy know this? I mean, this is like this is like flying over my head. <laughs> but that's the way he thinks. That's how analytical he is. And hey, it's working for him. Well, there is some, such a thing as sports science, and he is a scientist. He, yeah. That's what he, he wants to be. Uh, I, I think he's, he's endlessly fascinating. Uh, as much as I like Shane Bieber, Trevor Bauer, to me, is the most entertaining Indians pitcher because I, I can watch him and think he's creating what he wants to do every time he goes out for an inning. He, he's... You know, he, he's considering all the possibilities and is thinking, well, this inning, I really need to do nothing but off-speed guys. <laughs> you know, and, and to his credit and to, the, you know, the catcher's credit, it's all coming together. So it's kind yeah, of Perez, Perez does a nice job with him. You know, Perez does a nice job uh, handling uh, uh, Trevor. So it's, it's – <laughs> hey, and the, the thing that he works so hard at, you know, and that he's never had an arm injury. 
I mean, and uh, he really, you know, knock on wood. And, you know, I mean, I think you, you just don't know where he's going, you know, how good he can be right now. I'm going to throw out a name because you and I are old. Uh, and, and see, it just occurred to me just now. Mike Marshall had, oh, yeah. was the kinesiologist. Right, you know, sure. State. Who, th- who appeared in 109 ball games for the Dodgers in like 1973 and came across as smarter than everybody. And he was not real popular in the major leagues, except he was the best reliever in the major leagues for about three or four years because he could come out every game. He could pitch, and he didn't pitch two batters. He threw yeah. for you know, two and a half, two and two thirds, you know. That was old school, old school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I just was thinking, nobody talks about kinesiology anymore. That's not a, a thing. But that's kind of what Bauer is. He's a, he's a scientist who's trying to, you know, work in his laboratory to devise a better breaking ball. And yeah. He, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he goes to all these, you know, uh, all the in the off season, he's always you know at some you know baseball factory work like you said, you know, filming his stuff, how to get better, how to make this pitch break more, that pitch break less, and uh, you know he added the slider to his repertoire this this year, and it's really helped him. And uh, so it's you know he's he's an interesting guy, and he'll talk he'll you know he he never ducks a question, he always. He always has a, a, a kind of a different slant on things, different view. He's fun to talk to, and uh, he's an interesting guy. All right, we will wrap up uh, this edition of Cleveland Baseball Talk with some Hey Hoinsies, which uh, we have here. And uh, uh, we, won't, well, we will not uh, suggest that Paul does not know what these questions are. He actually <laughs> sent them to me yesterday. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll go through these and uh, see what, uh, what we can come up with. Uh, Stevens asks, uh, hey, Hornsey, can you give any information on Cody Anderson's rehab from Tommy John surgery? And what are his prospects? Uh, right now, you know, Cody had, uh, is more than one year removed uh, from, from Tommy John. He had it last spring training. Not this spring, but last spring. And he's been shut down. He's... Uh, I guess he, you know, he got to a certain point. Francona said he kind of plateaued, and they just decided to shut him down for a while, and uh, you know, kind of restart the engine in four, four or five or six weeks. So I, I, I'm assuming he's still in Goodyear, uh, you know, doing some, you know, just kind of you know, doing conditioning, but he's not throwing right now. Okay. Uh, some people ask questions, other people, uh, have, uh, statements of their fact, whether or not it's anybody else's fact, but we'll, we'll find out what you think. Uh, this is from Bob in Mansfield says that, uh, it seems like, uh, Mike, I'm presuming he's talking about Chernoff, along yes. with the, uh, Dolans are always playing with the fans intelligence. Well, that could be dangerous. <laughs> uh, with items given to reporters of, uh, of tempting improvements to the roster. Well, that would be, yes, I'm always happy to be tempted. Uh, they spend on Edwin, Miller, and Kipnis, but they can't even sign their two top draft picks. But I guess that is how the small market teams play the game. Paul, respond. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I think, you know, I think they, you know, we've talked about this. I think they will try to, imp- they will improve this club. And the, the two draft picks, I mean, it's not like, they can go out and overspend on these guys. They both have slot values, Noah Naylor and Ethan Hankins. And, uh, you know, they have until July 6th to get them signed. And I think they'll sign, I think they'll sign both these kids. You know, they're both high school players. The, their, their, their slot value is just over $2 million each. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I think when push comes to shove, those kids sign. All right. There we go. Um, One more. The next person uh, is got the same interests in uh, the Cincinnati Reds closer as you do. Uh, uh, Was it Razel Iglesias? Yeah. 
And uh, he asks, do you think there's any chance the Indians can swing a trade with the Reds uh, before the deadline? This feels like Andrew Miller trade all over again, a player with two and a half years of control left, a reasonable salary, and all of the experts saying the price tag is way too high. Uh, that comes from Andy in Copeland. Yeah, I, you know, I think this, this would be a great addition. Um, you know, he signed for two, like, like Andy said, he signed for two more years, you know, uh, not including this year, like about just over $5 million a year. Um, this is, uh, you know, I think a guy like this or somebody in, in this kind of role, you know, that could take a little burden off of Allen, uh, you could put him, uh, you know, he could be the setup man, he could be, you know, the, eighth, the seventh inning guy. I mean, it just makes your whole bullpen better. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would think the price tag would be high on this guy uh, just because you've got control on him. And he's not, he's not a rental. Uh, Cincinnati's rebuilding. They're rebuilding their – you know, they've been rebuilding that pitching staff for about two or three years. So, and uh, like we were saying, Jamie, they need starting pitching. It'd be an interesting, uh, be an interesting negotiations, I think. Finally, from uh, a fan in Arizona, in Gilbert, Arizona card man. Uh, now, this guy is uh, pretty much assuming that not only have you been covering the team for 36 years, but you know the entire history of the <laughs> Which tribe hitter, in your opinion, had the best season of all time? This guy's selection is Hal Trotsky's 1936 season, which only you would remember. It was a 343 batting average, 42 home runs, 162 RBI. Amazingly, he says, amazingly, Trotsky only finished 10th in the MVP voting that year. <laughs> I, you know, I did not see Hal Trotsky do that, no. but I did see Albert Bell in, in, in 1995. And I think that's the best, se- at least from my point of view, the best season by an individual hitter that I've ever seen. I think. Albert hit close to 300, 50, over 50 homers, 50 doubles. I'm not sure. I can't remember the RBIs. And the fact that – and he did not win the MVP either. Mo, uh, Mo, uh, Mo Vaughn won it. I think Albert got robbed because of it. Uh, I think if his personality came into play, he didn't win the MVP. He should have. But to me, that was the most comprehensive – I mean, just from wire to wire – you know, impressive season that I've ever seen. 52 doubles, 50 home runs, 126 RBI. Uh, he even had five stolen bases. Uh, nearly had as many walks as strikeouts. Slug 690. Had 377 total bases. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, that was, that was the year. That was the best year I've seen. I mean, the Lofton had some years, but it wasn't a combination of power and, and – uh, you know, in production that, that Albert did. Well, I think we've uh, used up uh, more than enough time, and hopefully this will uh, give people a few things to think about. Uh, thanks again, Paul. Uh, this is Jamie Turner with the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast, and Joe will be back soon, and we'll talk to you later.